Talk Radio 570 KVI. It's KVI Want to Know Weekends. KVI Want to Know Weekends. Get ready to raise a toast with Seattle's most spirited hour of talk, Happy Hour Radio. Explore the best in Washington wines, beer, spirits, food, and more with your guide, Seattle sommelier, Christopher Chan. It's Happy Hour Radio, right now on Talk Radio 570 KVI. Well, hello, Seattle. Hello, Puget Sound, and welcome to Happy Hour Radio. I'm your host, Christopher Chan, advanced sommelier, your weekend wine guy, and the captain of kombucha. <laughs> um, if you've never had kombucha, it's one of those really, really delicious tonics uh, that fortifies your body. It helps you, um, it revitalizes, it energizes. Of course, there's no caffeine in there, but makes you feel real good. And it helps stabilize your uh, your flora, your body. You know, we've got, uh, we're a machine basically with a giant uh, CPU on the top. Um, and so we've got to burn calories and gain nutrients and of course digest all that. And so our little furnace uh, called our gut, our belly, has a bunch of bacteria, flora in there. And kombucha is one of those things that actually helps activate it. It helps get you the good kind of stuff in there, which helps for a good digestion, which makes you feel better after that wonderful meal and makes you uh, allows you to uh, process all the nutrients and, and gain the the proteins and the uh, the vitamins that you need but it all happens in the gut um, and I've had uh, kombucha on the show before uh, I really like it and uh, I should re-up my uh, subscription for kombucha um, and it has a little bit of alcohol it's pretty negligible um, and for the most part it keeps the TTB out um, but these days as uh, with everything else there is a movement to Provide, well, beverages that have uh, benefits and reward, let's say. Uh, And I've got this new kombucha called Wild Tonic. Uh, My friend Patrick Wallace is the spokesperson for Wild Tonic. Let's get him on the show. Hey, Patrick, welcome to Happy Hour. Chris, thanks for having me on. Right on, man. Introduction. Yeah, well, uh, (laughs) thanks for spending Saturday night with me here in Seattle. I know you were down in the South because I recognize that twang on your voice. Um, Let's talk about kombucha. You've had kombucha before, right? I have had kombucha before, absolutely. So I started off like most people, traditional non-alcoholic kombucha, and now we have evolved. We have a 5.6% alcohol Jun kombucha, which you have kind of led into, wild tonic, so it's an exciting thing. It is exciting, and to think that, uh, obviously, with the advent of protein drinks and, you know, there's alcohol with energy. I think Sparks came out like 10, 15 years ago. So you can, yeah. it's basically Red Bull in a can with some booze. Um, but obviously, there's all these different ingredients. And if we think about uh, like Fernet Branca, liqueurs, well, they have uh, a host of different uh, herbs and spices and things like valerian or genetian that, that help that are have are medicinal in some case and like kombucha um they can be a good in moderation the idea of having alcohol in kombucha is relatively new um does the alcohol not not hurt the uh, the benefits that the regular kombucha might provide no that's the cool thing with wild tonic so we've definitely gotten much healthier than the days of um sparks and all the four locos is something we have down here which will just give you a heart attack so now with kombucha at this level of alcohol you can have fun, and yeah, you keep all the, the natural benefits of kombucha. So it's actually a prebiotic and probiotic, where a lot of kombuchas are just a probiotic. So like you said, it kind of adds, gives you all that good stuff, that good gut bacteria, and kind of gets rid of that bad bacteria. So it's still have the benefits of traditional kombucha, 
have all the fun of 5% alcohol. All the fun. I like that. When you think about kombucha, I know that some some people's reticence to, to say they enjoy it is that sour milk face because, of course, the acetic acid that uh, is uh, derived uh, in the process of making kombucha, you have a little bit of the vinegar taste, that tang. And I see tasting some of these that you provided, the wild tonics, um, they have some sugar to help mask some of that acidity. And that is actually a delicious product. You have a whole line of products here, and it's called Wild Tonic. Where is Wild Tonic produced? Yeah, so Wild Tonic is produced in Cottonwood, Arizona. And the key to that, um, what you're referring to, is, yeah, the traditional kombucha. If somebody's just had that, unless they just have an acquired taste for it, they're like, oh, kind of tastes like medicine, has that vinegary taste, but they don't really love the flavor, but they like the benefits. Ours being a Jun kombucha. Um, is made with honey. So basically the difference, kind of a subcategory of kombucha, ah. is you get the jun, which is the honey, as opposed to the cane sugar, which is just your traditional kombucha. So it tastes a little bit better. So you don't have that vinegary, classic kind of kombucha flavor that there's not really a word for. We, you're the captain of kombucha. Maybe kombucha <laughs> can become the adjective. But yeah, so the jun really sets it apart. But yeah, we make all of it in Cottonwood, Arizona. Uh, female-owned company, we import um, – well, it's, we're kind of proprietary about our honey, so maybe I shouldn't go that far. All right. But we use some, some organic honey out of Arizona. We also import some honey. Everything's highest quality ingredients, all organic, and it tastes delicious. So you don't have that flavor, once again, with the benefits and the alcohol. So we kind of took a look at – I should say – I shouldn't say we – our owner, who is a genius who, who started all this, took a look at all the fun parts and benefits of kombucha and then the things that people – and they were kind of on the fence, well, I don't like this, and tried to kind of take those out and eliminate those and then accentuate the good parts. And that's kind of where we are. We're really proud of it. Well, it's interesting because obviously you have 5.6% alcohol in one line. Of course, you have a 7.6% alcohol in the large formats. Um, I see three different bottles. First of all, they're that beautiful antique blue glass. The, the, the packaging yes. is, is really pretty, really cool, really subtle, but it does pop, wild tonic. I mean, it's bold. And, of course, uh, the 5.6 reminds me of uh, the way you position it, big numbers. It reminds me of those strong beers in uh, uh, Europe. They've got the 8.6. Right. <laughs> that yeah, takes absolutely. me back to my college days. Well, let's um, try some of this stuff. Um, hard June. So uh, is there a TTB recognition for kombucha now? Is this a new product category that's recognized nationally? Yeah, so it still is going to fall under um, kombucha, but I think for practical purposes, if you're the consumer and you go into a store um, with the 5.6 or the 7.6, you're going to generally find it in the craft beer section. So sure. a lot of times, depending on the state, legally it falls under a beer category okay. because of the alcohol, but it's still certainly its own category that is kombucha. Got it. All right. Um, yeah. Interesting. So I've got three bottles here. I've got the uh, Hard June Kombucha, the Hop Buzz, the Mango Ginger, and Blueberry Basil. Uh, really fun names. Um, let's try the Hop Buzz first. Is, what was the actual first expression of the Wild Tonic, I should ask? Well, the original five flavors, you have three of. So as far as the 5.6. So we had the non-out that we started with, then went to the 5.6, and we still have the non-out as well. But the three that you have, and then Raspberry Goji Rose and Tropical Turmeric are the other two of the ah, kind of our flagship classic first five. I think Hoppy Buzz is a good starting point because it's the other two are going to have flavors that may be a little more bold. But I think the cool thing about our whole palette across the board is everything's really balanced and really subtle. So none of the let's say you're not a huge fan of ginger. Right. It's not overpowered with ginger. If you don't, 
if you don't love blueberry, it's not like a blueberry craft beer where it's just like blueberry in your face. It's just out of control. It's really subtle, really well done. So it's all just has that little little hint of honey and just really easy to drink. So Hoppy Buzz, a lot of people hear that, and it does have hops in it, but it's certainly not like an IPA that's going to be like you're chewing on a pine cone. It's actually the opposite. <laughs> it's actually a little bit sweeter uh, as far as the taste profile versus the other the other four original. I have to admit, I'm taking a taste of it, and I was concerned because uh, being a Northwesterner, we've got tons of hops here, and it seems that every new brewery oh, yeah. has to come out with a million pieces of hops in their beer, and I'm past that because it, <laughs> it's fatiguing. And my, I was concerned was this is going to be too hoppy, but really, this reminds me of a Hefeweizen. This reminds me it has some of that sweetness, a little bit of malt. Um, it's slightly fruity, and it has just a faint hit of acidity, which makes it balanced, not not too sweet. It certainly has. It's a twelve ounce portion, twelve ounce bottle. It's got one hundred sixty eight calories, and it's five point six. So basically, it's it's about the same as a craft beer. Yeah, yeah, correct, absolutely, and it's uh, it's the Hefeweizen in, in a way, but minus the headache, because I know I used to love those big Belgian <laughs> beers, but those have a ton of sugar and different things, and this. No sulfites in this, so that's kind of our whole tagline is um, the buzz without the sting. Let's and talk about that, too. You say no sulfites. So preservative-wise, when we think about buying this, and apparently it's available at Total Wine and More, and I believe some Whole Foods here in Seattle, yeah. is this a product that it, it has shelf life? I mean, do I have to worry about how long? Should I keep it cold? What, what's the process for storage and service? Yeah, you do not. So the alcohol actually has a shelf life of a year and a half, but uh-huh. you do want to keep it cold. Okay. So with the 5.6, are you, I'm sorry, you have the 12-ounce bottles? I do. Okay, the 12-ounce bottles are actually shelf-stable, so right. even better. So the shelf life on those, I believe, is a year, and you just you don't want them to get hot, but you can keep them room temperature, and you'll be good. Certainly, it's better to drink it when it's cold. The colder, the better. I actually pour mine over ice like a tea, Yeah. and it's delicious. But, um, yeah, our original package was 16 ounces. Um, had to be kept cold, and we now have the, the shelf-stable 12-ounce bottles, which is a lot more convenient for everybody. Sure, and uh, you don't feel guilty like you're going to waste any or you're going to drink too much in one sitting, although that's not my concern ever. Uh, all right, right, so that, that hot buzz is tasty. Let's try the mango ginger. I poured some in here, and... Is this is there one facility? Is your water filtered? I don't, when I go to Arizona, I just got back, and I know Arizona's got hard mm-hmm. water. Is your water treated at all? Yeah, so the brewmasters and everybody there, they take all the steps to make sure it's going to be as healthy as possible and as clean, I guess is the best word for it. So they go through the steps there, and it's it's a bit of a proprietary process, sure. but, yeah, it certainly is. And <laughs> I'm not going to get into this because we have – a limited amount of time, but one of my first jobs actually sold water treatment systems. So I'm very familiar with the hard water, yes. soft water, uh-huh. chlorine in water, the whole cleansing process. So big um, bags that's of a really salt. Good point. And we, <laughs> yeah, we absolutely have the the water and all the things in it are as clean as possible. It's cool. I'm tasting the mango ginger. The ginger is definitely um, prominent in the flavor. The mango gives you some of that that tropical fruit with a little acidity in the back. Uh, again, a very nice balance. It, it tends to finish dry, which is interesting, too. I, maybe the ginger has a little tannin in it or something. Yeah, you kind of nailed it. I mean, I do festivals and tastings um, all across the country and all the time, nonstop, and that's you sound like me <laughs> talking to somebody that just had the mango ginger. So you definitely have gotten the essence of it. Um, once again, so like the mango is going to be really subtle, just like the blueberry will be really subtle, and you'll get that ginger. And, yeah, it's almost – it's not tannic like a wine or have that tannin where it's going to kind of dry you out, but no. it does have a nice clean finish where it doesn't have that lingering 
yeah. okay, the ginger's hanging around too long. No, it definitely definitely finishes fast. It's refreshing uh, like an iced tea is really what it, the, this thing is. Yeah, that's, and, that's um, the word. The refreshing a, is the word. There's a little bit of uh, a sparkle here. But, um, I'm now pouring the blueberry basil. Uh, these are great yes. combinations of flavors. Uh, are, are there some benefits to basil? I know blueberry, we can talk about antioxidants and all that other stuff with the deep color, but basil, is it supposed to make me calm? Is it supposed to uh, provide, uh, I don't know, <laughs> inspiration, get me a little wily? <laughs> you may, of all the ingredients... Of all the ingredients, like so, turmeric is a spice. It's good for your joints, right? And ginger yeah. is good for you. Different inflammation, things, you know, acids. I, yeah, let's go with it. Basil will make you calm. I'm not really sure of, of the health benefits of basil. So whatever you're out there and you need, let's just put it out in the universe that the basil is going to kind of help you with that. Yeah, well, we can make that a rumor. Yeah, we can make it a rumor. We don't need the the FDA coming down and making unfalse claims or unsubstantiated claims as health benefits and cure aids and things like that. Well, um, is there a website we can find more information or perhaps even order? Yeah, absolutely. So wildtonic.com, you can find all the information about our owner, about our brewery, about all the different flavors and product lines we offer. And also it'll show you, you can go on a map and it has a location of all the places that carry the product. You mentioned a couple great uh, providers and Total Wines and Whole Foods up there. Um, there's certainly a lot more and you can find all that good stuff there. And if you can't find it, uh, you can find our phone number. Give us a call. We have a ton of people in Cottonwood that would love to answer how basil is better for you to start off and then <laughs> let you know where to get it uh super fun um <laughs> it's called wild tonic and there's hard june kombucha is it all called hard june or is there another uh expression so basically it's really jun, jun. Um, or june however you want to pronounce it i won't you're the captain i have called myself the southeastern king of kombucha oh, but there you go. i don't know why i pronounce it jun i've just gone with that from that's what i first heard Anyway, not to get off topic, hard basically is saying that this is alcoholic. Right. We don't want it there to ever be confusion if you don't see the sure. 5.6. So hard meaning alcoholic, but at its essence, it's a jun kombucha, or jun kombucha meaning it's made with the honey. And then, yeah, the word hard there is just to expound on the fact that it does have alcohol at a higher level. Than, Got it. Hey, you know, Patrick. Right on, brother. Thanks so much for sharing this. I appreciate it. It's wildtonic.com, and I uh, look forward to chatting with you again on Happy Hour Radio. Chris, you are the man. Thanks for the time. Right on. Hey, that's my friend uh, down south. Stick around, folks. we got a lot more to share on Happy Hour Radio. Start your day the right way. The Commute with Carlson, live and local, weekdays 6 to 9 a.m., Talk Radio 570, KVI. You're in the know with KVI Want to Know Weekends. Here's more Happy Hour Radio with Christopher Chan. All right, Seattle. Hey, welcome back. Time for round two. Hope you got something tasty in your glass. I've got two bottles of something special before me and one cool cat on the line i have brian purble who is the head distiller for rogue brewery and distillery um let's see the rolling thunder barrel works is uh, in newport oregon and they've got a really cool product coming out um i give you a little history rogue is uh one of the foremost craft brewers uh in the northwest when i was working downtown seattle at this really fun spot called casa you betcha 1990 through 97 it was the hippest place in town um we actually had a dead guy ale and it was made by a row go figure so they go way back and uh brian purbo uh you must go way back as well hey welcome to happy hour 
Hey, thanks for having me, Chris. So let's talk about you. Uh, when did you start playing with fire and, and, and beer or, or wort? <laughs> when did you start distilling? How did you get into alcohol? So I started off going through the uh, program over at Oregon State University. I uh, went through the, the brewing and winemaking side of things, focusing on fermentation science. Uh, that that finished up 2010, and then I kind of jumped around a little bit, worked with the, the wine industry for three years, kind of trying to figure out what I wanted to what I wanted to be when I grew up. Um, See how much alcohol over, you wanted to make at one time? Is that what it is? <laughs> exactly. All right. So I, I landed over here over at Rogue in 2010, 2011, and uh, that kind of kind of spurred the the enthusiasm and the, the love of the the craft spirits. So. Were, were they ever producing craft spirits in 2010? We were, yeah. We uh, The distillery started up uh, 2003 uh, up in oh, wow. Portland, and then we actually moved our production, uh, main production outfit, down to our Newport facility back in 2006. Well, that's got to be a fun spot, uh, Newport, Oregon. Um, you've got lots of stuff going on there. They have a big festival with, with seafood and wine and probably spirits as well. And Oregon has a long tradition of uh, distillation. I know that one of our favorite products early on was Clear Creek Distillery out of Oregon. Yes, Clear Creek is one of the premier um, premier brandy distilleries in the U.S. They actually produce a lot of fantastic products. And I'm uh, I'm excited to try the McCarthy's uh, Single Malt. They that's going to be a fun one. Yeah, they've they've been working on that for um, several years, I believe. And I remember at the Rainier Club, where I, I also uh, directed Wine and Spirits, we used to uh, make our own liqueurs and cordials, and uh, we would get Clear Creek brandy. And it was perfect because you they had pear and cherry and pine and, I don't know, peach and... Uh, apple and uh, of course, just plain O to V, which was great because you get this uh, one and a half gallon or a one point five liter, whatever it is, and uh, we could make our own um, infusions. Is that what we were doing back in nineteen ninety eight and ninety nine. So I want to say I was way ahead of the curve on that. Uh, I, I'm drinking um, a rogue style beer. It's called Rolling Thunder Imperial Stout. Um, hey, off the top of the head, I know you're on the distilling side. How many beers does Rogue Brewery make these days? Oh, shoot. These days, I want to say we're making about 15 to 20 different beer varieties right now. Seems to be the case for most uh, I'm say distillers, most breweries. I know Elysian's going nuts up here, as is Pyramid, and of course Red Hook. Um, and it's fun to see all the new craft brewers. Uh, what's interesting, too, is to recognize how important beer is to the art of distillation, right? I mean, don't we need to have a good wort and good grains and a good roast on these malts so we can get all this flavor? Is that how it works? Exactly. If you start with a great product, you're gonna you're gonna be able to finish with a great product. <laughs> Do you have some? Uh, well, when you said I'm gonna get bit by the spirits bug instead of the wine bug or the beer bug, um, did you have some spirits in mind that you really thought were that quintessential, uh, the epitome of excellence or of pleasure? What was kind of been your inspiration to be a master distiller? So my inspiration kind of stemmed from a look at the industries as a whole so starting off in the the beer uh the beer side of things when i was going through school uh, i was able to do some internships both paid and unpaid um as well as just kind of uh doing a little home brewing on the side then stemming into the wine side of things being able to get get a, a full experience for the maturation so seeing a wine develop especially red wines developing over time um that kind of kind of clicked in my head of well what would happen if uh, you get into the spirit side of things and uh, craft spirits 
were up and becoming over the years. This was oh, 2000, 2004 to 2010, still relatively new. Um, and it just kind of, I, I kind of fell into the industry at the right time at the right place. <laughs> <laughs> Help, I've, I've fallen and I can't get up. It's quite interesting. I know that um, Washington State allowed uh, small batch dis- distilleries to be legalized in 2010. If I, no, it was before that. It was 2000, wasn't it? I can't remember now. Boy, there must be a side effect to all this happy hour radio I'm doing. Uh, well, let's talk about how many different distillates are you making, distillates? So right now we have five different uh, whiskeys that we're offering and then our uh, two gins as well. Very cool. So, that's so going out for distribution. You said five whiskeys? Yeah. With the stouted whiskey, that is number, ooh, might be actually four or five. Okay. <laughs> we're, we're working on a couple of uh, couple of uh, experimental batches, so. <laughs> so is the process of you selecting a certain um, mash bill or a selection of grains uh, for the ingredients, the recipe, is that much like they do for the brewing part, or are you totally separate, and are you just thinking of your own kind of uh, recipe for uh, distillation? So it's very much a partnership between the brewery and the distillery. So when we're looking at a recipe formulation, I'll work with uh, Joel Shields, our assistant brewmaster, uh, brewmaster uh, John, our, our, our uh, master brewer, and then Michael King, kind of our recipe development brewer, um, and just kind of walk in. We basically go over what we're looking at for uh, the beer mash or the distiller's beer going into the still, and then what we're aiming for for kind of flavor profiles coming out for the finished whiskey. Have you played with different uh, barrels uh, or I understand that brewing typically is a stainless steel deal, and then they sometimes brewers will get fancy and, and add a, a beer to a what I've seen is actually like a Lagavulin cask. If we go to England, there's some beers that are aged or matured in casks there. Has the brewery done some cask finish uh, ales prior to the Rolling Thunder Imperial Stout? Or actually, Rolling Thunder Imperial Stout is its own beer, which is not. But have you guys add beer in barrels? Oh, we do. We had the uh, the. The big barrel, uh, big barrel beers that came out um, a few years back, and that was kind of the the starting point for the barrel aged beers um, for the program here. Interesting. How many outlets does Rogue have? Because I know there's this trend, uh, much like McMinimins and of course Elysian and Pyramid have been uh, building uh, brew pubs. Does Rogue Brewery have uh, a collection of those, or just do you have like other distilleries? We so we only have one production facility um, down here in Newport, both the brewery and the distillery uh, and the cooperage as well. Uh, but we have a couple of different pubs uh, throughout Oregon, Washington, um, just kind of stationed throughout. So we have our uh, one of our big pubs is up at uh, up in Portland. So. Okay, um, I'm tasting this Rogue Rolling Thunder Imperial Stout's 2019 vintage, which I love. And Imperial Stout is really a high alcohol stout beer, and stout beers means it basically it's a very high roasted malt, which is very dark and thick. Um, it doesn't have quite a huge hop profile because it just wants a little bit of bittering hops, not much for the aromas. Um, and this is a delicious beer. It's perfect for the cold that snap that we've got going on right now. It warms my belly, and it's very flavorful. Uh, of course, chocolate, coffee, mocha, um, you know, even some exotic dry fruits are in there. I just poured myself a taste, well, a dram, a wee dram of the Rolling Thunder Stouted Whiskey. Let's talk about this. What is the mash bill here? So the mash bill for that is the same mash bill we use for a dead guy whiskey. Um, same grain, same uh, malted, same malted barley that goes in. The only thing that's different, we don't have any hops to the beer. Um, what'll happen is the brewery will make up a mash for us. They'll make up about 200 beer barrels, about 6,200 gallons. We'll 
ferment that over at the brewery. The brewery will um, take about oh, about 11 to 14 days to finish dry. And then after that, we'll go ahead and truck it over. We use uh, converted milk tankers, actually. Right. We use 6,200-gallon 6, tankers to bring over the, uh, the, the uh, what we call the distiller's beer now. Um, and then that'll take us about three to four days to distill off the, the clear whiskey. Interesting. So they'll actually make a whole vat of beer, and you'll go ahead and boil it off to make the spirit, right? Exactly, yep. And so this is truly a one of the beers they make then, right? Because you're saying it's the Dead Guy Ale, or the what did I miss there? Is this a specific recipe that exists for the brewery? Yep, it is. So it's the, the Dead Guy Ale recipe minus the hops. Right, sure. And- well. Um, I, I'm just taking a taste. This is very, first of all, it's very smooth. Uh, congratulations on that. And it's got a lot of flavor. I love the hint of sweetness. Um, it's very, it's got depth on the palate. It's a little warm, a little hot. It's got a little bite at the end, but I think that makes it interesting. I'm looking at the proof here. Uh, it is 97 proof, which is a cool number. Um, this is really tasty. How long is it aged in, in barrels? So the life of the barrel is kind of, kind of the history um, for the, for the whiskey itself. So it ages in new Oregon oak barrel um, that Nate makes up over at the Cooperage. Uh, it'll age in there for about a year. That then gets transferred out into a stainless vessel. We throw in the Imperial Stout, so the Rolling Thunder Imperial Stout, the beer that you tried. That'll go in for about nine months. And then after that is done, age, uh, done aging, we'll go ahead, bring the barrel, empty barrel, back over to the distillery and then age that whiskey that was in stainless that goes back into the once-used whiskey barrel, once-used imperial stout barrel, and that'll age for an additional two years. I love it. Sleeping with Brian Purble of Rogue Brewery. Hey, folks, stick around. I'll have more to chat with right here on Happy Hour Radio. He's proud, holding nothing back. Michael Savage, The Savage Nation, weeknights 9 to midnight, talk radio 570, KVI. Now more KVI Want to Know Weekends. Back to Happy Hour Radio with Christopher Chan. All right, Seattle. Hey, uh, speaking with Brian Purble, uh, the uh, head distiller for Rolling Thunder Barrel Works, Rogue's Newport-based Cooperage, uh, and coming out with the Rolling Thunder Imperial Stout and the Stouted Whiskey. Um, Brian, we were just chatting about this, uh, This, well, it's almost like the Ford uh, factory line and where this barrel goes and the product goes. Um, of course, we were coming up on the brakes and the music came in. Let's, tell, let's start over again. So tell us how the, how the from the brewery to the distillery, what are the processes again? So from the brewery to the distillery, it really starts off at the Cooperage of all places. Uh, so Nate, our head cooper and Travis, our assistant cooper will go ahead and make up, um, one of their rolling thunder barrels from scratch. So raw timber, raw staves and heading material that gets built up into a, into a finished barrel. Uh, we use a number three char medium toast barrel. Number three of how uh, many numbers? Uh, there's one of four, one or one of five, excuse me. So between one and five. Okay. Interesting. I wonder what five does, boy. <laughs> it makes it, it makes Kahlua. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so you got three roasts so, on yours, number three. 
Yep, with a with a medium toast. So once once Nate is done building out the barrel, we'll go ahead. Uh, we'll distill off the Dead Guy Ale, which at that point is now our unaged Dead Guy whiskey. Uh, that goes into the brand new barrel. That'll sit for about a year. Uh, after a year has done or has elapsed for the aging process, we'll go ahead empty out that whiskey. So that one-year aged whiskey, uh, that'll go into a stainless uh, stainless vessel for about nine months. Uh, during that time, the barrel will go. We'll kick the barrel over to the brewery. Uh, the brewery will fill up the barrel with the Russian Imperial Stout, so the Rolling Thunder Imperial Stout. Uh, that will then sit for about nine months. Can I get all those happy, happy molasses, brown sugar, toffee, uh, just overall happy flavors developing uh, that the beer, uh, the beer produces, and then that will be emptied out. That is the Rolling Thunder Imperial Stout, and then the barrel comes back over to the distillery. We'll go ahead and throw that whiskey back in for an additional two years. So it'll wow. be. It's a, a once used whiskey barrel, once used beer barrel, and then a second used whiskey barrel. <laughs> well, it's working. Uh, very tasty. Was there a process for you to develop sort of the the style of whiskey in regards to how you're making it for uh, for the the barrel process, the nine months, the new oak, and then of course the first and second year barrels. Was it a one-time charm, or did you actually have to do a couple iterations so you figured exactly what you the house style would be? It was kind of a one-time charm. We kind of fell fell into it by accident. We were doing a little uh, little recipe development R and D, just kind of seeing what worked and what didn't work. And you know, lo and behold, we just we we kicked a few barrels around. We got some uh, some beer barrels filled with those uh, once-used whiskey barrels and figured out, hey, this is tasting pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> and, of course, it always tastes better in the second and third glass, I imagine. Um, this is so fun. I'm speaking with Brian Pribble, who's the head distiller for um, Rolling Thunder Stouted Whiskey. And is the Rogue Brewery and the Rogue Distillery, they're separate entities, separate businesses? Do I call it Rogue Distillery? Or what's the what's the company you work for? So it's it's all one entity. So Rogue Ales and Spirits is the company. Got it. Um so it's it's kind of funny. The distillery and the cooperage share the same building, and then right across the parking lot is the is the brewery. <laughs> okay, so fun. Um, how many so how many distillates have you produced in your time there at uh, Rogue Ale and Distillery Spirits? Uh, have you made how many batches have you actually distilled? Oh, this year alone we're on to I believe run number ninety seven. You mean um, in twenty nineteen January first. Really? 2019, yep. Wow, and how much yeah, uh, spirit is produced uh, at one batch? Uh, one batch will get about uh, about three-quarters of a barrel. So right now we're producing about seven to ten uh, whiskey barrels a week. We're kind of gearing up towards uh, running 24 hours, five days a week, and that'll kind of beef up our our production numbers up to about 10 to 14 barrels a week. Wow, I love it. It truly is a craft and artisan spirit. This Rolling Thunder Stouted Whiskey is really delicious. I, I love how smooth it is, and I love how you get some of the caramel, molasses, um, I will call it coffee notes, uh, from the Stouted Whiskey itself and then the barrel. Uh, is First of all, is there a website that people can find this at, and is this available uh, at our stores here in Washington State? Uh, it should be available in uh, uh Select liquor stores up in Washington State, um, and you can check out 
Uh, check out more information about us at Rogue.com. Okay, that's a good one. I wonder yeah. if that Star Wars movie was trying to buy that one out. <laughs> that's what they said, roadmovie.com. So what's on the horizon for you, Brian Purble? Uh, are you going to do some fun fruit beers as the season comes and, and maybe make some distillates out of those or do something neat? We've got a few different uh, different projects coming through the pipe right now. Um, a couple of things that are still in development, some that are you know on the cusp of getting getting launched. So... Uh, I, I can't really say exactly what we're working on, but uh, look forward to a couple of new, fun, and interesting projects coming in over the next couple of months. I love it. Okay, finally, this has got to be, uh, with with the time it takes uh, and the effort you guys are putting on to um, finish this particular whiskey, this must be in the $45, $55 range. Uh, yes, I, I believe it's the 55 to $65 range. Uh, so it's, <laughs> Why not? <laughs> it, it's a little little on the higher end, uh, more the, the premium, super premium. Um, but for the, the labor and love that goes into it, you know, hopefully it, hopefully the consumer enjoys it. Um, at the end of the day, as long as you're able to try something that's happy and delicious and you know the story and the process that went into it, and there's nothing finer. <laughs> well, I'm sure the public must be, uh, the consumer must be enjoying it. I, as a professional, am certainly enjoying it. This is a truly a unique whiskey. Um, there are, it's just because the, you've got so many textures on here. You've got such depth of flavor, and it really makes it a a nice sipping whiskey. Um, you know, I'm taking it basically room temp, and of course my heater broke, so room temp in my house is <laughs> 61 <laughs> degrees. Uh, but it is very pleasant. Again, it's it's not hot and it's got high proof are there any cocktails that you might uh, you guys have played with is there something that we should be looking to sort of emphasize or is this something that you also agree should be just basically neat chilled neat for for my two cents i i prefer it uh neat but you know it's it's one of those products is one of those spirits that it lends itself to a lot of different approaches so i'm i'm not so much a a big uh, connoisseur for cocktails. It's something that I'm still you know, kind of dabbling with here and there. But uh, from from what I hear and from what uh, the feedback has been, it's producing some dynamite cocktails. Uh, well, as long as they're drinking it, right? <laughs> That's pretty fun. Um, <laughs> how many people in your Oregon State uh, fermentation science degree classes or pr- program uh, were there? How many classmates did you have? Oh, gosh. When I graduated, I think there were 13 or 15 of us that graduated that year. And have you and, seen uh, any more? Are they in the biz? Are, are they, are, have they dispersed across the country to wield their might? Almost all of them went into, went into the business. Um, some of them went into the brewing side. Some of them went into the winery. Uh, uh, one of the gals that I went to school with is actually the uh, assistant distiller over at Clear Creek. <laughs> oh, cool. Interesting. And looking back at that that degree, is that a two year degree or is that a four year degree? That was a four year degree. Okay, so you go through the organic chemistry and, and what else is involved? In that some math, I imagine. <laughs> organic chemistry, uh, a little bit of business, a whole lot of science. You look into uh, food science as a basically the entire industry as a whole. So uh, the program is trying to educate and train graduates that are coming out of the program so that they're ready for entry, whether it's into the brewing field, winemaking field, uh, or for food science. So going out, working with the seafood companies, 
uh, processing facilities or uh, other industries such as that. Cool. And in the nine months that the um, Rolling Bay Thunder Imperial Stout is in the barrel, how much, how deep does that get into the barrel? Is that like a centimeter of color? I mean, do you notice it? Do you actually ever look at it? Or do you know that nine months is just the time and we don't have to do too deep to take out the staves and look at it? Nine months is more the more the time for uh, the flavor developments. Okay. Um, in terms of breaking apart the barrels, we usually are getting um, almost a a quarter um, quarter of an inch going into penetration for the wood. Right. So it's actually going in pretty deep for the for the flavors. Sure. Uh, so fun. Well, this is a treat. I certainly enjoyed the uh, Rolling Thunder Imperial Stout. It's tasty. I'm afraid I might get gout because it's so big. And then the Stout of Whiskey, congratulations. Uh, really tasty. It's Rogue.com. And Brian Purble, hey, thanks for joining me on Happy Hour Radio. Thanks for having me, Christopher. So fun. Cheers. I'll see you down in Oregon. Hey, folks, stick around. I got some uh, wrap-up notes coming up next here on 570 KVI. Putting America first and holding the powerful accountable. Sean Hannity, weekdays 6 to 9 p.m. Talk Radio 570 KVI. You're in the know with KVI Want to Know Weekends. Here's more Happy Hour Radio with Christopher Chan. Hey, Seattle. Welcome back. Time for our fourth and final segment. And I'm uh, really pleased to share some of the media that's going around town. And if you haven't subscribed to some of these magazines or the media, I strongly suggest you uh, you check them out or at least get a friend to do it so you can have his, his older issues. But uh, um, the Wine Enthusiast is featuring a whole article on New World Wines, which includes the Washington State, Argentina, Australia, Chile, New Zealand, South Africa. Uh, and again, Oregon Wine Press is um, a cool tabloid magazine. It comes out once a month, and it has a host of uh, great stories about um, what's happening in the wine scene in Willamette Valley and Umpqua Valley, Rogue Valley, Applegate, etc. But also um, uh, articles on the people behind the corks, which to me is is about passion. We can all appreciate an artist because, you know, that, that one picture's been there forever, and we know his name. It's Van Gogh, it's Matisse, it's Degas, um, it's uh, Miro. And but for wine, wine evolves, and so it's really hard to capture that one moment unless you open the bottle. So uh, this, uh, you know, this being the season um, of uh, Lent, I hope you did not give up <laughs> drinking wine. Uh, and I want to put a shout out to Taste Wash, Taste, uh, excuse me, Washington Tasting Room Magazine. It's their tenth anniversary this year. Uh, John and uh, Adine Vitale, um, who produced this wonderful quarterly magazine. Uh, I've definitely I've been a big fan and have supported it uh, through the years. And 10 years, wow, look how time flies. Uh, but they on their cover is something really fun. The Daughters of Washington Wine. And it's great to, to see that um, women are, are certainly making a huge contribution and play an integral part in, in our industry. And it's, I shouldn't say our industry, I should say the industry, because uh, man, woman, or, or whatever, you are certainly welcome to participate. And um, there's, there's so many jobs in this industry, and it creates some $4 billion plus of economic uh, activity. But looking at the Daughters of Washington, uh, Daughters of Washington Wine, first of all, um, <clears throat> perhaps the 
the matriarch would be Megan Club of Le Col Number no. Forty One uh, Winery, and that's founded in nineteen eighty three. Next might be uh, Amy Figgins from Leonetti, but we also have um, Natalie Barnes from Lata or Lata Creek Wine Cellars. Um, of course, Jordan Dunn Small, who is uh, Woodward Canyon Winery. Uh, there in Loudoun. Of course, Sarah Hedges Goodhart. She's on Red Mountain making wine for the Hedges family estate. Of course, Jessica Gamash, part of the big Gamash family, has been in farming in uh, Prosser, uh, Yakima Valley, Horse Seven Hills for um, generations and generations. Uh, she is uh, one of our great ambassadors in the field. Uh, Lori Stevens. She's at Airfield Estates Winery. That's just right in Prosser. So if you're driving down uh, what is it? Uh, I forget. Highway. I haven't been over there in so long. Um, I, oh, is it I-80? Uh, but uh, you can stop off from Prosser and check out the tasting rooms at Airfield Estates Winery. Uh, Lori is the marketing director and co-owner. And then, uh, actually, before you get there, you can uh, visit Chandler Reach. Uh, Megan Potter is uh, um, one of the players, and uh, she's up in Woodenville at the tasting room there. And one of our winemakers is Christina Van Lobensels, and she's been with Arbor Crest. I think Arbor Crest was founded in maybe 1983, 1982. Uh, it goes way back. I remember seeing that label when I was a busboy at the Alexis Hotel <laughs> way back then in the 80s and worked my way up. Of course, we wore a tuxedo kind of outfit as a busboy. Um, a good friend, Carrie Shields, who uh, went to UC Davis, and uh, she's at Cote Bonneville, which is there in Sunnyside. They've got a fantastic site. Uh, they actually grow five different varieties of grapes uh, on the same style of, of land, and it's talking white and red grapes, and there's no other place in the world where you can do that, to be honest. Uh, typically, you need uh, spectacularly different climates to achieve greatness in both red and white. Um, out on the coast is Carrie Roberts, and she's the CFO for the Westport Winery, which uh, has really been um, a, an icon of the community, producing wines, being a tourist attraction. We remember Westport. Westport was just old uh, dingy diners, um, kind of uh, 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 tired motels, and a fishing industry. And, of course, they've brought some culture to the crab and fishing area with uh, Westport Winery. Locally, we've got Jennifer English. Um, she is English Estate Winery. Uh, they are down in Vancouver, Washington. Uh, she is the winemaker. And uh, Lisa Anderson, sales and events manager. Uh, she's from Foundry Vineyards in Walla Walla. Uh, finally, the uh, daughters of Washington Wine include hmm, Megan Hughes. She is with Bernard Griffin. And uh, that's cool. I mean, that's one of the old wineries. I think it was 1980, 1979. Uh, and finally, um, I should say, uh, <clears throat> uh, well, actually, that's it. That is the final one. I'm looking at the Tasting Room magazine. It's the Spring Edition 2019 Washington Tasting Room. Uh, get a, get a, a subscription. It's, it's a good, good read, and it gets you connected with all the wonderful people in our business. I'd like to thank uh, the Kombucha and uh, Rolling Thunder Barrel Company with Rogue Whiskey, the Stouted Whiskey, and that uh, Imperial Stout. Uh, great stuff. Hey, I'll see you at Taste Washington at the end of the month, and get your tickets quickly because they are selling fast. Uh, but when you plan your day, remember, life is always better with a designated driver. Cheers! Cheers.